Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower. What's next? Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Shield Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. We've got an Eagles win to start off the season. There were ups. There were downs. There was times of comfort, times of panic. They end up winning 38-35 over the Detroit Lions. They're up 38-21 late in the third quarter, but they need to ice it late with a fourth-and-one quarterback sneak to Jalen Hurts. Benjamin Solak, how we doing? Generally good. I feel like the players that we thought are good are good and the players slash coaches that we thought are questionable are questionable. I'm, ga- I'm glad you did slash coaches there. Yeah, slash coaches. And I am okay with everything that happened. I feel so much better about the game when I don't look at the final score. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that got weird there at the end for a second. There was 52 minutes of like, yeah, this is gonna be a good season. And then there was that end of like, please don't do this to me. That's right. So uh, we're going to get into some big picture thoughts on this game. Then we're going to you know, break down a little bit of the offense and the defense. We don't have a lot of organization to this. This is a, this is a post-game pod. You know, you just you take some notes and then you let it rip. And we come back later in the week and we say, oh, we watched the film. We looked at the numbers. We learned X, Y, and Z. And we were actually really stupid when we said this on Sunday night. That's part of the fun of the NFL season. So, Ben, I've got two big picture, just sort of takeaways when I just try to take a step back and think about, all right, what did I actually think uh, about this game? And I think one of them 
is probably we're going to have the same one. I mean, it, we talked about it leading up to the game, and that's that A.J. Brown is a AJ, monster. Baby. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> this is, I mean, oh, yeah, you were you were going off on it last week. I mean, I've said all offseason, and I, like, try to guard myself, have guarded statements a little bit, but when I do radio hits or podcasts or even on here, this is a guy with a Hall of Fame ceiling, and you're getting him in his prime. And not only that, he's like on the short list of the most fun wide receivers to watch in the NFL. And man, everything we saw this summer about, wow, it looks like they're really throwing to A.J. Brown a lot. Yeah, that translated into week one. 10 catches, 155 yards on 13 targets. The rest of the team, Ben, had 88 yards on 16 targets, uh, I have to imagine that just A.J. Brown being a monster is on your list of takeaways from this game. Yeah, man. The A.J. Brown experience was everything you hoped it would be in, in, in a bag of chips, right? There was the uh, initial drive. Jalen Hurst goes 0-5. They don't find a target for A.J. on that drive. And very clearly, they went to the sideline and they were like, okay. That was pretty dumb. Let's, that, I don't know why we did that. That was like, yeah, the Kenny Gainwell target was cute. But like, let's go back to what we thought we were going to be. Like, like, all right, like shake the rust off. Okay, we're good. Let's go. Remember in the preseason, they just chose not to target AJ Brown. Jalen was like, he told AJ he wasn't going to give him a target. That was never really investigated, but whatever. Uh, then you come out in that second drive and it's okay. Quick little screen to AJ Brown. Okay, we're going to throw a slant to AJ Brown. And we're going to start to get these, this connection working a little bit. We're going to start to get vision on this. And then you start to see what AJ can be in terms of a player with the ball in his hands, right? Those slants go from being like five yards depth of target, six yards depth of target to 12, 13, 14 yard gains, not explosives, but first downs, right? We're moving the chains. We're generating a passing game. That second drive was just like 50 receiving yards of AJ Brown in a variety of ways. And you're like, all right, like this is clear. They can run this offense through AJ Brown. They had like a, a little RPO where he ran a glance. Like it was like the, 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 the Titans stuff, like, cool, it's great. And then the Lions put Tracy Walker on, the, not Tracy Walker, Will Harris on the field. Yes. Will Harris used to be a safety for the Lions, and they're transitioning him to corner. I don't, they had Jeff Akuda on the field previously, and Dan Campbell after the game said it was like snap management, like obviously Akuda's coming off a major injury, whatever, but they decided to take Akuda off the field and put Will Harris on the field. Third and four. One-on-one -on -one against A.J. Brown. I don't know what you're thinking, Tiger. That's not good. It's not good for anybody. And that was that deep shot that you got. And Hurts, for everything that he is as a passer, this was a tough game for Hurts as a thrower and a pocket manager altogether. Man, he throws a pretty deep ball. And that was, I think, that, the moment where you went from like, all right, cool, the Eagles have wide receiver one, to like, oh, the Eagles have a guy, capital G. The Eagles have a dude, capital D. Like, this is, this is a take over the game, explosive play sort of a dude. So yes, uh, 13 targets, I want to say it was, 10 yeah. catches, 155 yards. That You're not going to get that every week because teams are going to start to pay more attention, and we'll talk kind of about those ancillary targets a little bit later. Um, but AJ, this was the, the dawn that was expected. This was the arrival we needed. Yeah, you kind of nailed the two moments, I thought, with A.J. Brown. The first, like you said, that second possession, you're going, all right, is this just going to be one of those weird week one games and they're actually going to lose to the Lions? And it was A.J. Brown on a slant, 18 yards. And then it was A.J. Brown, I think it was covered too, in that turkey hole on the left sideline between the, the corner right. and the safety. It was a low throw, and he just kind of, you know, he had his hand up, and then he turned around, he kind of picked it up off of his shoelaces. Then another slant on that possession. So you're right. That was just like, all right, let's not mess around. It's the second possession. Let's get this guy the ball. And I thought with A.J. Brown, I mean, there aren't a lot of guys in the NFL like this. Like Debo Samuel's definitely one of them. Where if, I always phrase it like, if the Eagles have a, you know, 3-3 three, three and out, in a row at the link and the and the boos are pouring down and Nick Sirianni's going oh my gosh everything we thought we were going to do this week is not working you know what you could just call a little screen a little slant to AJ Brown it's not going to work every time but it's going to work a lot of times where maybe he just picks up eight maybe it's a yep. maybe it's a nine yard gain but he throws a defender to the ground and now all of a sudden everybody's the juices get flowing with everybody he's that type of player and you saw that early in this game so man just keep this guy healthy and you don't have to be the greatest schemer you don't have to you know come up with all these wrinkles on the chalkboard sometimes just hey get that guy the ball he's really 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 freaking good uh works and we talked about the middle of the field thing 
in the pods leading up to uh, the opener, you know, they, I, I don't have like the numbers in front of me, but certainly those slants and on that second possession, those throws were available to him. On that 55-yarder, you know, Will Harris, he can go back and say, my coverage wasn't bad. I mean, he, he didn't get smoked on that that play. I mean, it was a very good throw. Right. A.J. Brown did a very good job of kind of the late hands so that the, the cornerback doesn't know when it's coming, can't play through the hands. And so great execution there, I thought, by Hertz and by A.J. Brown. And he, here's a little number I unearthed here. Most receiving yards in a game by an Eagle in the last three-plus seasons. And this is week one, baby. Yeah, that's that's that is of no surprise in terms of like the target density, in terms of of, of the routes he was getting and where he's getting the looks. The the fact that he got that one on one go ball is what I think is really really encouraging because I think that's one of Hertz's best balls. And if you can continue to hit that throw, you're going to force teams to go and shade a safety over AJ Brown. And for anybody who's like, man, Devonte Smith, four targets, no catches, spent a top ten pick on or. Yeah, tough to pick. Like, oh, we, we want this guy to get moving. Like, uh, is there going to be a problem with this? If they hit AJ and a couple more go balls and you have to start giving like one and a half defensive backs to his responsibility because you have to be able to cap him over the top, this could be a nice, nice, healthy Devontae game by week five, week six when you get that. And that's kind of the ebb and flow that you want in your uh, in your receiving room, right? The ability to kind of like say, okay, the lines are not putting a coup on AJ Brown. They're leaving Amani Arwari on him. We're going to hammer this till the cows come home. And next week, you get the Vikings, and the Vikings are a lot less man, and they're a lot more zone. Okay, how are we going to adjust that? And that's that's the coaching staff responsible for that. Like the screen you brought up is a really good example where they had that and they had a nice tunnel screen to AJ Brown. They had the the screen to Dallas Goddard, right? The little like late screen where he fake blocks yes. and then he turns, which they've run before. Uh, good use of screens to get the Lions kind of punished for some of their blitz looks, and that's also great for Hertz because it's the lowest depth of target possible, right? It's the balls out right now. I don't have to think, and we can still get a play that keeps us on schedule. The screen game solid for the, uh, is it Andy Reed coaching tree? Is it Sirianni from Reich from Doug from, from Andy? Can I, you, can, I, you, can you claim that? I guess you could, you could go down that path. Of course, Andy. all good screens come yeah. from Andy Reed. And that's, that's my, uh, that's my genealogy there. And of course, Andy brought out the shovel in week one with the, uh, with the TD and the chiefs game. I mean, he yeah. just, he, he cannot get, get away from that. All right. So AJ Brown being a monster is the number one positive takeaway. You're talking to your friends Monday, Tuesday this week going, Oh my gosh, that guy, this is going to be so fun to watch. And then, you know, you're going to have the friend in the group. I might've been the, the friend in this group, uh, back in the day was going to say yeah that was great but and what is your uh what is your but there ben there i guess yeah. you could go in a, a couple different directions but when you think of big picture ones i know i've got a, a very a straightforward one in front of me yeah and no, our two large takeaways are very clearly the same it's like all right aj brown good eagles run defense <laughs> buddy <laughs> it was extremely bad uh it was frustrating to watch it was frustrating to watch back, and it was frustrating to dive into. The Lions averaged uh, 0.27 EPA per rushing play, over 50% success rate. So on average, they're handing the ball off, they're staying ahead of the sticks, and they're generating uh, yardage to get a first down, generating yardage to move into scoring range. This is an extremely positive running game. For comparison, the Eagles averaged 0.21 EPA per rush. So like all the Jalen Hurts scrambles, all like the chunky Miles Sanders run, the third down conversion to win the game, that cumulatively was not as valuable as how well the Lions were running the football. Some of that is skewed by the big DeAndre Swift run on the first drive, which kind of, you know, uh, made the Lions kind of seem there in the first half for a little bit like they were really firing on the cylinders. In reality, like play to play, they weren't that great in the first half. That Swift run was a huge one. James Bradbury misses a tackle uh, in the hole, and then Marcus Epps in pursuit just falls over. Not great. Uh, and you get that 50-plus yard run. But the reason why Bradbury's meeting DeAndre Swift in the hole Marcus Epps has got to be like kind of, you know, chasing in, 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 uh, in pursuit there is because Gannon walked out the entire game in four two five, just four down defensive linemen and two linebackers and 13 yards of depth from his safeties and just sat in it. They just sat in it. Like they, they, they did some changes. We'll talk about those in a second, but for four quarters, he would put just four down defensive linemen and two linebackers, six dudes in the box. And the Lions would like put a tight end on the field and then motion Amon Ross St. Brown in a block, motion Josh Reynolds in a block. So you've got seven blockers against six dudes in the box. And Gannon would just ask his safeties at Chauncey Gardner Johnson fit from 13 yards. It's horrible. I mean, it, it is not a winning formula. 
It doesn't matter the Lions have an above-average offensive line. It doesn't matter that DeAndre Swift is above-average running back. You play that against anybody, they're going to gash you. So DeAndre Swift, over nine yards per carry, just really, really, really frustrating that that was allowed to continue for four quarters when you can't justify it by saying you had to stop the passing game. This passing game was never working. It was it was not. Like, it had yeah. moments, right? It had its it spikes, like great DJ Chark touchdown, Nice, you know, TJ Hawkinson conversion. But in general, you were not scared of this passing game. Why are you sitting in this? Uh, so this was very, very structural that the Eagles were giving up these gashes in the running game. Yeah, they ran 28 times for 181 yards. DeAndre Swift, uh, the kid from Philly, of course, uh, looked great today. I thought he, he yeah. had a, a fantastic game. But yes, they were getting gashed. Just look, you know, it was so weird because they get gashed the first drive of the game. Then the next four possessions, the Lions didn't have a first down. I mean, they were, it was like, okay, all right. You know, some of those games where the defense comes out, gives up the score on the first possession, but then they get it together. Well, it felt like it was going in that direction. But then the second half, again, they're just getting smoked. I mean, they gave up touchdowns on four of the final five possessions of the game. And the only one that they didn't was the one where the Lions had that bad snap and the Eagles got their only sack of the game with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. So it was not great from the defense. Listen, uh, we've, we, we shared our thoughts on what we think, uh, about the coaching of this defense from last year. You were hoping this year. All right. They've got their new guys in place. You're not facing what I think is a very good offense. Let's get it together. Let's dominate. Let's work on some of these things. And it looked a little different. Again, we'll get to that in a minute here. Uh, they were doing some different things, but the overall mm -hmm. result here by this defense was very concerning. You know, just looking at some of the numbers, EPA per drive, this was worse than all but four performances last year. And those four performances were against the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Is this year's Lions should not be mentioned uh, with those offenses from last year. For the Lions, right. I just looked up the Lions, all their offensive performances going back to last year. This was better than all but one offensive performance last the season. The Cardinals game? Uh, I don't even know what, I mean, I would have to look okay. it up. Yeah. I didn't care that much. I was just, you know, I was going Gannon, you know, so I, I wasn't looking up. I wasn't looking I had up tunnel vision, baby. Yeah. I have a point to get across. Yeah. I wasn't looking up the opponent there of who the lions played, but that's bad. That is not how you want to start. It's one week. It's a long season, but that to me was obviously the other big takeaway there. So, uh, let's get into more of that. Let, let, let's just break it down. Uh, you know, we've both got notes, right. offense and defense. So let's take a little break here. We'll get to a break. When we come back, we're going to just break down what we saw in more depth from the offense and the defense. There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Honda prologue EV. True. It's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back on the Ringers Philly special. All right, we talked about A.J. Brown. What were your 
overall thoughts on the offense. I mean, I thought that the Lions kind of came out and were basically like, we're going to be in attack mode. We're going to we're going to blitz blitz Jalen Hurts uh, as frequently as possible early on. We're going to hit him often when he has the ball. And the Eagles' answer to the blitz basically seemed to be Jalen Hurts run around, scramble, pick up some yards with your legs, which can be a good answer, but at times we saw was not a great answer. How did you view this offensive performance overall? I think they had some better answers for the blitz than Jalen Hurts run around and make something happen, script it in. I don't think the quarterback took him, right? I think that there's very little reason to run hots for, for Jalen Hurts, right? You talk about a receiver adjusting his route when he identifies that there's a blitz so as to give the quarterback an immediate opportunity to get rid of the football. Uh, anybody who watches Sunday Night Football, Buccaneers and Cowboys, is going to see a ton of that, right? That Both of these defenses blitz and both those offenses respond that way. Hurts just doesn't take those. Uh, so there's very little reason to give him those, but the Eagles tried. Like, you have, like, quick underneath routes. You have, like, Zach Pascal, you know, running, like, the split zone. He's out to the flat, and he doesn't really take that. And so you don't have that scripted response kind of available they do keep extra dudes in a block they will ask their running back to hit a guy their running backs are really bad in pass protection miles sanders tries but has never been really great in this regard and then boston scott great effort there are physical limitations to boston scott as a pass protector and the same thing's true for kenny gainwell right they don't have a good pass protecting back so they keep the guy in the guy just gets blown up uh and so you don't have the the performance that you want there and then finally uh Hertz just is inviting pressure this whole game, and Hertz was really, really bad in the pocket. There was a uh, like a nonchalant third and five in the beginning of the third quarter when the Eagles were up by like seventeen. That like, doesn't actually matter, but it's just like it's a beautiful pocket. It's five against four. It's an absolutely gorgeous pocket. Hertz looks middle of the field. I can't see what he's reading. It's been about twenty two yet. Looks at to me like one to two receivers. Says he doesn't like it, and then just drops his eyes and tries to find an escape right out of the pocket. He had all the room in the world, and he goes and he scrambles and he gets first down. Nobody cares because new set of downs, right? And that's the thing about rushing quarterbacks. We often talk about running quarterbacks. like, Wow, he's a dual threat. He's explosive. He can create so much. Running quarterbacks are not about the ceiling. They're about the floor. They raise your floor because instead of taking a sack, they go and they, they create, right? Think about that first drive where Hurst just couldn't hit anybody. He couldn't read anything on the start of the field. Uh, he's still on third and 14 going on picking up 14 and a half yards, right? Because he has such ability to generate explosives on the ground with his legs. And a lot of that pressure that he's escaping is pressure that he himself is inviting. It's pressure that he himself is comfortable with because he drops back into the pocket, he kind of sits, looks at one receiver, feels a little bit of pressure, like, you know, on his back shoulder. Any other quarterback's just going to, like, step up and try to find somebody else, and he's going to drop his eyes and he's going to run. It's such a nitpick thing because it doesn't actually hurt the team because he tucks it, he runs, and he generates positive yardage. But when you look at, like, how the Eagles' offensive line performed, like blitzes and pressures, I think generally the line in a vacuum performed really well. I'm not sure Hurts, in conjunction with that line, in terms of setting up a pocket and handling pressure, did his end of the bargain. Eagles still score 38 points on offense because that's the formula that's going to work with Jalen Hurts. Well, I yeah, I was going to ask you. So as you're, you're talking about this, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if you're identifying this as a pro, you know, how big of a problem is this a problem? How big of a problem is it knowing who you have playing quarterback or is it a matter of that's fine. I mean, he ran 17 times for 90 right. yards. It was the second highest rushing total of his career. He was making plays with his legs. So when it is an answer, are you, you, you seem a little distraught about it, but should you be distraught about it? Knowing who's playing quarterback, right? Because it's fine now. Okay. This is the exact thing that made the Bucks not care about the Eagles passing game. You don't have to cover guys for more than two seconds. Right, once Hurts gets outside of the pocket, he very, very rarely pushes the ball downfield, right? He's either going to throw it to a guy who's immediately open uh, to the half of the field that he rolled to, or he's going to run it himself. And he should. He's, he's trained himself to do this. Like He's learned to do this over time because it generally turns first and tens into second and sixes and turns second and sixes into third and ones, and it turns third and thirteens into first downs. It's great, but it makes you one-dimensional, right? Like Hertz had multiple high-value scrambles on the Eagles' first drive. Would anybody say they felt good about the Eagles' offense writ large on the first drive? No. Right. Because it, it, it's escape hatch stuff, it was right? Chaos. It's raising the floor. Yeah. It's raising the floor of the offense. Is it raising the ceiling of the offense? No. The ceiling of the offense is I can get to a backside dig. I can get to a backside go route. I can get to a third read and a progression, find a hole in coverage, get the ball to a playmaker. He's already down the field, so he catches the balls at seven yards of depth, and then he goes. One of the ways that you can tell that Hertz doesn't get through his progressions is his A dot. 
He aver- his average depth of target, how far he threw the ball downfield in this game was 4.4 yards. It's extremely low. Because when you go to backside routes in a progression, they're usually in the intermediate area of the field. And he didn't throw many, many throws to that area. I have his uh, chart right here. Jalen Hurts had uh, two passing attempts that went more than 15 yards down the field. They're both completions. One was the A.J. Brown deep go ball. The other one was about 15 yards of depth to the left sideline. That was the A.J. Brown uh, cover two hole shot, yeah. the one you brought up turkey hole. Other than that, so two first read looks to A.J. Brown. He did not throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field. So this is all quick game, RPO, scripted stuff. If we get him into a progression, he's going to tuck and run because he's not going to feel comfortable in the pocket. It's fine until you run into a playoff defense that's able to expose the fact that you lack that dimension in your offense. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a balance with him. I don't think he's obviously going to magically turn into Dak Prescott or Tom Brady. I think you bake in some of those things that, hey, you are able to scramble. I thought he looked even like better as a runner than he did last year. Maybe it's just, hey, it's week one. He's feeling fresh. Uh, his body feels right. good. But I, I did think he looked uh, pretty spry and shifty out there. Again, not ran for 90 yards, the second highest total of his career. I mean, I can't pick too many nits with the offense. I think the first drive uh, was bad. They did not you know, necessarily finish strong, but they had the first seven drives of the game, they scored four touchdowns and they punted once and they had one turnover on downs and they had a field goal. I mean, I will take that, uh, you know, any, any week. Now I don't think it's a great Lions defense, so let's see how it performs in weeks ahead. But in terms of a first performance for the season, I thought it was, I thought it was positive. I thought it was encouraging. And a lot of that is just going to, again, it's not going to come down to, Hey, yo, brilliant new scheme or, Oh my gosh, look at this wrinkle they added or uh, Jalen hurts is making this massive step. It's like, Oh, that's why they traded for AJ Brown. Yes. Just, that is going to make a major difference. And I think that's what you saw today Uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of EPA per drive. This performance was better than all but four games last year. So this was definitely an above average performance. Even if we just look at the Jalen Hurts Eagles here, they run for 216 yards. Now that includes scramble. So I would have to go back and look how much of that was in the designed run game. But I thought Miles Sanders definitely uh, had some good. Sanders looked good. Yeah, he had a, Mm -hmm. I mean, Maybe one of like one of his best games it felt like in a while. Like yeah. I was like, oh, he's as a ball carrier, yeah. he looked good. Yeah. He was largely decisive, which is the most important thing for Sanders. He's got lucky on that third and one run, man. I mean, the 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 direction to go was very clear, and it took him a second <laughs> to figure it out, and he very well should have been tackled. Um that's gonna be fun from then, the end zone view. Yeah. I what it yeah. looked like he just ran into someone's uh backside uh, rump roast backside whatever we want to call it on this uh, podcast and then boop squared it out and all of a sudden the 24 yard run uh i really liked in terms of the running game how the eagles first trip down to the red zone they struggled right if you remember i gotta pull up the the play log here really quick yeah so first trip down to the red zone they end up scoring on the fourth and one little like you know keep from jalen hurts he's the option to throw it but the defense kind of opens up he just walks in but you have first and goal from the five, incomplete RPO pass to A.J. Brown. Second and goal from the five, they run to the boundary, right? They're trying to get to the outside with Miles Sanders. He's not able to break in. Then they run another boundary run with Jalen Hurts, right? He's kind of got lead blockers. And then they get the fourth and goal. But then they, every time they come back to the red zone after that and they get within the five, we ain't running outside of tackles anymore. Like they, they're like, we got speed. Let's get to the edge. Let's kind of make them condense. And then let's get to the outside. We're explosive. And I understand that instinct. Jason Kelsey, like Isaac Samala, we're not the biggest interior front. The lines are really big. But you have to be able to run vertically. You have to be able to run downhill in that area. They elect to do so. They get the rushing touchdown with Miles Sanders, get the touchdown with Kenny Gainwell, get the touchdown with Boston Scott, all of which is just proof of concept that this is offensive line dependent and your offensive line can do it. Because I'm sure the other thing they're thinking is we don't have a power back, right? Eagles always have a power back. Let's go get Jordan Howard. You know, like we got to always have a big guy. And they signed Trey Sermon, they signed Michael Pirine. They clearly want one of those dudes to end up being their, their downhill short yardage back. They kind of walked in this game like, oh, no, we don't have that guy. We need to get to the boundary. And then they realized we just we got to move people up front. We're, we're just going to get a double team and we're going to stick our nose inside of it. And they get three touchdowns with three different backs, all of whom are not known for power short yardage running. Uh, and so Eagles ability, you know, you watch a lot of these other teams. They got to kick field goals. They're they're You know, we saw multiple fourth and goal, third and goal stops, fourth and goal stops across the early slate and the 4 p.m. slate. Eagles have the ability to say, hey, line, get us three yards in three plays. And line goes, yeah. And they're able to do that with whatever backs in the backfield. Very big deal. 
four out of five in the red zone today, as as you were describing there. There were a couple individual calls that I really liked. The the one was uh, on the fourth possession. They had a third down, and AJ Brown kind of came around in that orbit motion, and then Dallas Goddard, you know, mm-hmm. had the little leak where he, he's showing like he's going to block, and then leaks out there into open space. I thought that was a very nice call. And then later in the game, when Tracy Walker had the big hit, I, th- I thought that was probably a dirt. That was a dirty hit. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't know how you uh, felt about it. That was yeah. a, that. W- and they were really hurts. Hurts is sliding late, and that is a point of reference for referees. However, other quarterbacks who slide that late and don't run the ball as much get flags. Oh my god! And gosh, that's the yeah. problem, right? Is that like? You can say like, oh, he's sliding late. We're not supposed to flag that. Yeah, but if that's Ryan Tannehill, he's getting a flag. You're not throwing it because it's hurts and he runs the ball a lot. And so at the fourth one, they finally flag Walker, and it's kind of like, okay, they're they're paying you off here a little bit in that flag. But it was bad hit. Yeah, it was an accumulation uh, of all those. You're right. But after that, and you know, da- Dallas, you know, Zach Pascal, I think probably earned some uh, er- er- yeah. earned some stripes from Eagles fans because he looked like he was ready to fight the entire line sideline after that play. Dallas Goddard was very fired up, and then I liked after that where all the the juices are flowing. They're probably thinking, all right, let's be aggressive and get him again. And they had a nice screen there that you referenced earlier to Dallas Goddard. I thought that was nice. You know what I didn't like, Ben, was something we talked about uh, last week when we were talking about the play calling. Why was the play clock at zero like 17 times in this game? Is this an issue with with play calling, you know, mechanics? And, we got a lot of headsets and a lot of microphones oh in the gosh, setup right that now. That was baby. driving me nuts. Yeah, that was happening often. There were they were I think, definitely sloppy yeah. at times, whether it was not getting the plays in on time. They had 10 penalties for 61 yards. I don't know how many of those were on offense it seemed like a lot of them but yeah that's certainly something to keep an eye on going forward yeah I also think you know there was like a lot of gas made of like the Lions are not only standing room only for the first time in four years but off of the off the broadcast that stadium seemed the like crowd was, was good I thought yeah. it was a great I agree I thought they I it sounded a like Michigan a great crowd right on TV. Now, yeah. I was I was proud of our people <laughs> I knew a few people at that game and they were putting, putting work in but yeah for for four quarters down you know whatever it was 35 21 38 21 they were still going to town so I think there was week one where we haven't played in a hostile environment in a long time plus also yeah I think play calling wise the Eagles are always gonna be a little bit duration uh, if they're continuing to kind of like have this weird menu where like Sirianni occasionally bops in and requests a play and whatever um but no I agree with you it was to, to me like I think by week three, you're probably okay with that. I think a lot of teams are experiencing that this week. Yeah, the, uh, I was with you on the crowd. I'm glad you mentioned that. Now you're the you're the meme generation. So did you see the guy? You know, there was a Lions fan early in the game who they showed in the crowd yes, just before yelling, the "Let's go!" Buddy was going to town. Oh my gosh, you guys are gonna have a field day with that. You know, it's like you get a mm-hmm. you get like a, a you order French fries, but you get the spare onion ring, and then you can use that meme of like "Let Let's go" because you're you're so excited about. I'm just giving you tips, you know, so you look good with your your peers. I appreciate. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for the uh, the how to meme note. I appreciate Appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, I only one other question, and you referenced this earlier. So Devonte Smith, no catches. Yeah, on four targets. It seemed like they were at least two back shoulder back shoulders in there where they weren't really uh, on the same page. Concern, not concern. It's week one. Settle down. Where are you with uh, that? Or hey, let's revisit that after we watch the film type thing. Not too concerned. Uh, I I've seen enough Devonte Smith to know he has NFL caliber talent. I've also seen enough Devontae Smith to know that there's probably not a game in which you should get no catches. <laughs> yeah. I think some of that is because I, I like again, like I, I think in the passing game, Hertz was really not that great, right? Like 32 pass attempts, so the Eagles probably dropped back like 40 plus times, right? And you should get your wide receiver to a catch at some point. Uh, the Lions, I don't know if they played like left right at their corners or if they decided to travel, and if so, they kind of still view Akuda as their corner too. Um, but the majority of the game, Jeffrey Akuda was on Devontae Smith. Akuda looks really, really good. Akuda's had, a, from from what I can see off of broadcast, Akuda had a really, really good game against Devontae. Uh, and if you're getting that matchup and you're getting Arawari, who's not playing as well, against AJ Brown, who is your wide receiver one, yeah, we're 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 not we're fine with that. We're going to continue to throw yeah. the ball with to whom we're throwing it. Uh, again, I think that you are going to see teams elect not to play as much man coverage against the Eagles in the future. Lines are very heavy in man in this game because they won't have corner ones who can handle A.J. Brown. When they do, you'll see safety shaded over and extra bodies thrown at A.J. Brown. And that's when Devontae becomes very important 
right? The, the best example to give people like, you know, who watched football last season in the fantasy space, whatever, is those games where like T Higgins had 10 targets, eight catches, a hundred yards and a touchdown. It's not every week, but there's some weeks where a defense coordinator walks in and points to wide receiver one and goes, that guy's not going to beat us. Yeah. And in those weeks, that's when your wide receiver, wide receiver two becomes really important. So that might make Devontae's production a little bit more like peaks and valleys, which can be frustrating. It could be hard for him to kind of get into rhythms and, and, and whatnot. But I don't think anything is concerning about Devontae's caliber of play. I think if anything, you're just wondering if your quarterback is going to be able to go through progressions. Because if you have to choose on a third and four who to script the play for, you're going to choose A.J. Brown almost every single time. And if your quarterback's only a one-read quarterback, that makes it hard to get targets to Devontae. Yeah, let's get a, I'm with you. Let's get a bigger sample on it. It is a little bit on my radar as something to watch. Just, you know, we, we talk about the human element of it. Devontae Smith has a fantastic rookie season in an offense that is one of the most run heavy in the NFL. Then the Eagles trade for a wide receiver. Then the first game after the great wide receiver shows up, he doesn't have a catch. And we know, you know, yeah. I, again, I've told you, uh, playing wide receiver would suck. You're dependent on all these other things and you could be doing everything right. And you could be having a great game and it doesn't show up at all. So I think Nick Sirianni, if you're talking about the emotional IQ, you know, just get a touch to Devontae Smith early in next week's game against the Minnesota Vikings. And you're right. That could be a totally right. different scenario. I mean, ideally... It's a different, you know, Devontae Smith has over 100 next week. And then week three, defenses are saying, oh, my gosh, you know, A.J. Brown did it week one. Devontae Smith did it week two. How are we going to defend him here? That, that's, those are the problems you want to uh, have opposing defenses have on a week-to-week basis. So uh, overall, 455 total yards. I know yards aren't everything, but it's more than all but two games last season. So I think I was maybe a little more encouraged than you. On the offense, is that fair to say, or are we at, at equal levels, or yeah. you're, you're just like I think I, I think loved AJ I had, Brown. Everything else looked kind yeah. of the same. I think I tricked <laughs> myself into believing that Jalen was going to be better as a passer. Okay. I just let the hype get into my DNA. I let it, you know, in, infiltrate the bunker and poison my thought. That's and right. And I was what like I was just watching him on the first drive, just being like, "This is just the same stuff," and that's frustrating. At the same time, Jalen's learning what it's like to have AJ Brown. Nick Sirianni is learning what it's like to have A.J. Brown. They're also, like, developed an offense across the course of last year. There's plenty of reason to believe this is going to get better. But you look at, like, the A.J. Brown passing chart, and it, or excuse me, the Jalen Hurts passing chart, and it's just like, ah, this is why they lost to Tampa. This is why they got beat around the yard by Tampa. They need to find a way to not be this offense by Week 18. That's right. I forgot you came at this expecting, you know, not in a dramatic way or a significant way, but when we did our predictions for Jalen Hurts to be the starter still week one in 2023, and I said no. So maybe mm-hmm. the expectation setting and how you view the week to week thing, it probably uh, does play a role. All right, let's get to the defense. As I said, in terms of EPA per drive, worse than all but four performances last year, the Lions' second-best offensive performance since they started with Jared Goff at the beginning of last season. The defense was definitely more aggressive in the first half. You know, a couple of those possessions, they get off the field. They had some blitzes there on early third downs. I think they had some blitzes on some early downs as well in the first half. And so you looked at it and said, okay, at least it's going to look a little bit different. But at the end of the day, they allow 23 first downs, 386 yards, 181 yards on the ground. And again, they give up touchdowns on four of the Lions' final possessions where I thought at 38-21, this game is a route. It's over. I can start looking at some of these other games and then the lions keep coming back and coming back. So what did you see from this defense? What were your impressions? Here's the stat. Here's the stat of the day. You ready for the stat of the day? Give it to me. Uh, next gen stats, Jordan Davis yards per carry allowed on the field. 2.9 Jordan Davis yards per carry allowed off the field. 10. What's, what's, what's our sample there? Do we have uh, rushing attempts or no? 14 run snaps. He was on so the had, field for 14? Yes. Okay. Uh, 14 rushing snaps. Now, it's also worth noting, and this is, this is kind That's of the, the salient. Yeah. So, but here, now, here's the additional point. Marlon Tui Pelotu, who like, whoa, shout out Marlon Tui Pelotu <laughs> just being DT4. Nobody was ready for that, John. I wasn't. Marlon Tui Pelotu just getting snaps on the first drive. a boy. Uh 3.2 yards per carry allowed when he was on the field, 10.2 when he was off. Milton Williams, uh, 3.1 yards per carry allowed when he was on the field, 12.5 allowed when he was off. You know what this is saying? When the Eagles have Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox on the field. They were getting cooked. 
they're getting cooked in the running game. That's the four-man front, right? That's Hargrave is our, is our one tech, right? He's lined up right uh, all over the center shoulder. Fletcher Cox lined up over the guard shoulder. And then we got Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. We have two linebackers on the field, and we got safeties 95 yards back, and we're just <laughs> living in this light box. We're trying to discourage the run. So that's a four-down front. When they, they, when they went to rotate those players, right, bring in the second line, they would bring in Tui Pelotu and Williams, a defensive tackle. So Jordan Davis was not in the first line or the second line of the Eagles' four down fronts. That's like your pass rush fronts. Guys are in one gap, go. They're playing Williams and Tui Pelotu, which is kind of nuts. Then, especially after the first two drives, where they kind of got gashed in the running game in the first drive, and then the second drive, they got a three and out. But they were blitzing kind of a little bit. They were run blitzing on the second drive. On the third drive, they start walking out in bare fronts, right? Five defensive linemen. We're going to put three defensive tackles on the field, and then we're going to put two edges away on the outside. And the nose tackle right across from the, the ball and those bare fronts was Jordan Davis. And the other defensive tackles were at times Fletch, and, and, but rarely Hargrave. And then it would be Marlon Tuipelotu and Milton Williams. And when they were in those five down fronts, they were eating against the run, man. It was sick. They were mm. so, so, so much better against the run. And you can use those sets against these condensed looks. They bring in two tight ends, the lines do. Go ahead and put five guys in the line of scrimmage. You're going to eat up a ton of space. Davis was awesome over the ball. There were multiple stops for which he was responsible. They're, they're running zone away from him. He's cutting in between the tackles. They're double teaming him, teaming him. He's stopping guys from getting to the second level. He had tackles at the line of scrimmage. This is exactly, like you drafted this guy top 15 and you're only putting him on the field in a certain package. That's firstly, really dumb. Secondly, it's working so well. You got to either a find a way to live in this, which like you can live in this, in this, coverage but it's tough right you, you can live in a bare front but it's hard especially if you want to play too high really really difficult so you guys got to live in this or you got to look at the player who's making this work jordan davis and say how do i get him on the field in other snaps other reps the fact that they don't have a way to get davis on the field when they're in four down fronts is really freaking bad that's really really bad that is a you spent a top 15 pick on a guy and over the course of a month you didn't find a way to teach him how to play one tech which he played in college. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And like, oh, we need, we need to penetrate. We need to pass rush. You're playing with a six-man box. You, if you're penetrating, if, you're, if you are one gap upfield Jim Schwartz and you have a six-man box, you were going to give up 10 yards per carry every game. This is philosophically incoherent. <laughs> so I, I was stunned that they drafted a guy this early and just did not want him. He was a sub-package player. He was a sub-package sub player. It's like drafting a dime corner. Top 15 in terms of the, 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 I don't know what the exact snap counts are yet. I've got it. I, I do. Just yeah, as you were talking, it. it's a, it's a great pickup by you because yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize the disparity in the snap counts. Jordan Davis played 21 snaps. Marlon Tui Pelotu played 27 snaps. Javon Hargrave played 37 snaps. Fletcher Cox played 38 snaps. What's Milton Williams at? Milton Williams played 31 snaps. Yeah, because Milton, like, like quote-unquote defensive end, but he's not. They don't line him up outside of the tackles. He lines up inside of the tackles, right? He said there's a three-tech or a four-eye tech when they're on their tight front, bare front stuff. So he's inside of the tackle. So that's, that's your defensive tackle rotation. Jordan Davis took the fifth most snaps of the defensive tackles. He was the least used defensive yeah. tackle. This is the 13th overall That's pick. incredible. Wow. In, in, a yes. game, in a game where it's clear you're getting gashed by the run right. in the first and when possession. He's on the field, when he's on the field, yards per carry is legitimately third. Wow. Third? Thirded? Thirded? <laughs> Cut by 300%. I don't know how to say it. It went from 10 to 3, baby. Oh, like man. it is. Yeah. So, so again, now, so you have two options here. One, we are going to live as an odd front team. We're going to become a bare front team. And that's going to mean less sacks for Fletcher Cox. And it's going to mean Hassan Reddick drops a little bit more. And it's going to mean we can't play as much too high, which is all this stuff that we want to do. Or we're going to continue to be an even front team and we need to be better against the run somehow. Like, I don't know what the solution is going to be. Uh, Kaiser White had a couple splash plays, but was generally not good against the run. TJ Edwards was not good against the run. And it is unfair to TJ because in this defense, you're asking him to be Erlacher mixed with Keekly, but he wasn't good against the run, right? He's consistently getting blocked one-on-one at the second level. He's not able to penetrate. He's not able to disrupt runs. His best plays came when he was fitting behind Barron, fitting behind Jordan Davis. Chauncey 
is used to, to playing the run from the nickel. He's used to playing the run from where Avante Maddox was. Avante Maddox was in the run fit constantly. Avante Maddox is 185 pounds. And they're just like, yeah, Avante, go take on TJ Hawkinson. What are you doing? But so, so if, if Avante, that's where, that's where Chauncey's used to fit in the run. Now he's fitting from 13 yards of depth. It's a different picture. It's different angles. And right. he's not as accustomed to that. Chauncey had multiple, uh, not like busts, but like miscommunications in this game, right? He very clearly is still kind of getting his teeth into it. There was like a DeAndre Swift drop where he was like totally nowhere. And that was his guy. Um, they motioned Amon Ross St. Brown across. Then Chauncey bumped Marcus Epps. This was the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown. Uh, there was miscommunication between Chauncey, Bradbury, and Marcus Epps as to who was supposed to take who. A lot of newness there. So, like, like you had, like, like miscommunications with, with Chauncey. But, like, I, this is just not a winning formula for your, for your run defense, especially when your linebackers just didn't have a great game. Like, think about Eagles, the runs the Eagles surrendered. It was either tackle at line of scrimmage, the defensive line won, or nine-yard run. The defensive line lost, and the run got through the second level. Right, right. Very little, like three yard run. Yeah, like okay, our line got moved off the ball, but the linebackers made a stop. It was either feast or famine, which tells you your second level is just not impacting the running game at all. If it's getting through the line, it's getting to the safeties. That is not a world you want to live in. So, the the Jordan Davis usage and snap count is the most interesting thing for me going forward on this defense because I don't know how you leave a player that was that impactful and a, and a set a, a a personnel package and a usage that was that impactful off the field for a majority of the snaps. Yeah, in this game specifically against this quarterback and this this matchup, these snap counts are courtesy of uh, PFF and True Media. They've already got them up here. Yeah, TJ Edwards did not come off the field, played, mm-hmm. uh, played every snap. Marcus Epps played every snap. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was a full-time player. You know the corners. Uh, Kaiser White played 50 snaps. In this game, N'Kobe Dean played three snaps. So if there was a question about how, how involved is N'Kobe Dean going to be right away, the answer is uh, not really. He, he, he only played uh, three snaps here. He doesn't look like he's going to rotate in. There are two clear starters here. Uh, among the sort of pass rushers, Josh Sweat played the most snaps, uh, 47. Hassan Reddick played 45. He dropped into coverage five times. And then we mentioned the defensive tackles there. Brandon Graham played 28 snaps. So, uh, again, a clear drop-off between, uh, you know, Sweat and Reddick, and then Graham there. And then Derek Barnett played 11 snaps. He, of course, got injured. I think those are the main defensive guys. Did, yeah. I, did I miss the, anybody? Uh, you, know no. the, uh, you know the big, long TJ Hawkinson screen? Yeah. set up one of their touchdowns? Yeah. Josh Sweat was dropping into coverage, and, like, he, like, he was, like, running with a slot. And like the slot was just very clearly like clearing it out, and Joshua just had no idea what was going on. And like he like turns around, he's like, "I was in great coverage, that was sick." And he turns around, like Hawkins is like nine yards out of the field. He's like, "Heck!" This is just yeah, uh, that that play made me think of you. It wasn't Reddick, it was Sweat. But there you go. I hope defensive line coach uh, like Tracy Rocker, he might be dealing with some stuff this year with with if Josh Sweat's gonna, you know, you mentioned Josh Sweat dropping the coverage, Jordan Davis playing this number of snaps. I mean, as we discussed before, if Jordan snap, if Jordan Davis gets the uptick in snaps, who's not getting those snaps? Two veterans on in the last year of their deals there will be some personalities to manage there of course the job of the coach is to do that and also to build the best defense he can all right i think that, that was a that was i'm impressed you had you had like a very good defensive breakdown for having just watched it on tv that's more to me like a you know wednesday thursday conversation but a good job by you noticing all that and here's right the away. thing because the first drive of the game was lions football and I was just looking for my boy. That's all I wanted to see. Big old 90 in the middle. He was not on the field for the whole first okay. drive. So it was personal and then I saw 90, Yeah, and I saw 95, and I was like, there's no way that's Marlon to be below two right now. And it was Marlon. And that, to me, is that's a big thing to watch. Um, otherwise, defensively, good game. Bradbury looked fine. Again, there was a couple of Good game, did you say? There. Uh, no, good game in terms of pass oh, pass coverage. Or, or you're right? going to name people who had yeah, a good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was confused. So, good game for Bradbury. I thought there were a couple of miscommunications in pass coverage, but I think Bradbury you're getting what you're paid for. Slayer you're getting what you're paid for. Um, yeah, there was like route passing off issues. There was an Amon Ross St. Brown catch. There was like a, a flag route that Slay didn't know where he was supposed to be on. The Slay coverage on the Chark touchdown was gorgeous. I mean, that's just a great ball. I agree. Yeah, sometimes, that was just a one-on-one. Sometimes thing. the receivers yes. win one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, not the best game from Chauncey, but I think you're going to get better games. Fs can't cover anybody. I don't know what we're doing with this, but we're still doing that. So he's out there. I thought secondary wise, you generally see. Got I what need you to see the film yeah. on Epps. So you just feel it, and you just Epps was terrible. You're just saying Epps is terrible in this game. So Epps, watching on TV. Epps, Epps scrambled 
to go get the coverage on Amon Ross St. Brown with the miscommunication. Yeah. But he was in a position where he should have been able to cover him and he lost him. And then there was the uh, there was the the deep outbreaking route to Josh Reynolds in the second quarter where uh, the Eagles end up with with Mark Zepps as a half field safety over three receivers. And Reynolds is the only one who comes vertical. So it's that's just the guy. That's the only dude you're going to be responsible for. And he yeah. can't get connected to him. And that's Josh Reynolds. Like, <laughs> I'm not scared of Josh Reynolds. Uh, shout out also, the Lions also got... Uh, TJ Edwards stuck in coverage over Khalif Raymond at one point. That was the defensive holding penalty that that Edwards drew, where Khalif Raymond's like a, a speedster. This guy's like, you know, this is legit speed. When 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 you're when you're as a when you're a defensive unit and you see speed in the slot, you point it out. You're like speed, speed, speed. There's like a check. Like, hey, that's a fast guy in the middle. Watch out. And they got Edwards over him, and Edwards just immediately held him when he went. When, when, I just immediately Good. grabbed him. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't need. Yeah, I ain't asked for this. I respect We're committing that. a penalty, and if it's a flag, it's a flag. But we ain't letting a ball be caught right now. Um, so the Eagles got into some some tricky coverage looks, but I think generally they were okay. I would like to see more man, but whatever. Um, I was disappointed in the pass rushers. I think you touched on that a little bit. Uh, Sweat largely lost to Decker across the course of the game. Redick had a couple good rushes against Sewell, but generally uh, was not winning as quickly as you'd like to see. Um, they asked those guys to like knife inside of the tight end a lot. And I think that both of them are better as outside rushers. And, and so there's a little bit of a usage thing there, but I very much agree that like, if I'm circling defensive concerns right now, after like the obvious rundown stuff, uh, this, this whole, like the Eagles have like a good stable of pass rushes, but no star through one week is, is accurate. Right. Where it's like, you just wanted a guy to get a win one-on-one and get a sack. And you didn't get that across the course of the game. Not, not impactful at all. I mean, I thought the, the yeah. pass rush, you know, yeah. Consistently. I mean, they finished with one sack and six quarterback hits. Again, that one sack was when it was a botched fumble. And yeah. uh, Millen Williams saw greatness, baby. Ran a stunt third and seven. Jared Goff's moving in the pocket. He's right there. And then Milton Williams just ate turf. And Jared Goff <laughs> broke Avante Maddox's ankles on a oh, scramble. On scramble. That's how yeah. You, how about that? That's how you knew. Yeah. That's how you knew you were in for a long Long second half is once you have Jared Goff dead to rights, you fall over and then Goff breaks another player's ankles. Something's yeah. going wrong. You're, you're in trouble. The, the, the tides of the universe have shifted against you. Would have been very interesting if they got stuffed on that last fourth and one QB sneak and your defense is on the field trying to hold that lead. How did you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How'd you feel about that play call? I was fine with it. You don't like a QB I sneak? Was, I was fine with it. I don't think I could have done it. The play call or right? the decision to go for it? The decision to go. I should have uh, oh, no, I'm yeah. all in on that. Yeah. I Listen, I am I love the fact that he did. I love the fact there was no hesitation. There's no like, timeout either. There yeah. was just like, yeah, we're going for it on fourth one. With that said, man, mm, they were on the 40. <laughs> they, were on, they were on the 40 with a minute left. Ah, uh, that would... That, I, if Sirianni, I wonder if Sirianni's got a really good poker face because internally, that man must have been like, <laughs> if we don't get this, Gannon has given up 30 yards in 45 seconds and well, we're going to overtime in Ford Field with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. But Jalen Hurts on the sneak, baby. Or he's he's thinking, if I punt this now, I'm putting the game in uh, Johnny Gaines' hands here and that hasn't exactly gone yeah. well over the last five possessions. So screw it. That's but, always the argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we don't get it, then uh, you know we'll give him a chance to redeem himself. All right. That was the defense. I think we got to a lot of the main points. Can I ask you a uh, non... Do you have anything else about the Eagles or can I get to one non-Eagles thing that I have to ask you for my personal life? Oh, my goodness. I know I did. We do non-Eagles questions. Sorry, do you have to go? I know you have a very busy Sunday. Do you need to start your other... I'm not doing anything. All right, this will take five... Talk to me. Talk to me. This is just a quick question, so... I went, so I went to the doctor, you know, just a regular annual checkup. I'm old. These are things you should, be, you should be doing this, but I don't have, like, I, they yeah. keep asking me who my primary care physician uh, is. I, I'm like, I, have no, I don't have yeah, one. Who is yeah. That? It's impossible yeah, to on. find one. First of all, they also say they're not taking new patients. And so I said, all right, I just went on the insurance website. This person's close. So I went there not knowing anything. My wife's like, this sounds shady. They said their credit card machine's broken. And so you have to pay uh, in cash. Like they're accepting new patients. What's going on here? But I'm like, all right, who cares? I'll go. So uh, there were four things that happened. This was a 15-minute doctor's appointment. Which one of these is the uh, biggest reason to not go back to this doctor? And I hope this doctor isn't listening, but I don't think uh, they are. I don't don't, don't think they would be. So four things. Number one, there's no Wi-Fi and the signal is terrible. I mean, you can't be sitting in a doctor's office waiting room with nothing to do on your phone. Am I right? 
That's that. Okay. I don't need to hear the other. You three. don't. That's well, so unacceptable. Well, okay. So that's one. <laughs> Two is so you know you got to fill in the uh, the new patient information. What do you write when you have to do a new pay? What do you, what do you write? Sports writer. What do you what do you put For my job when you have to put like occupation? Uh, probably yeah. yeah, NFL journalist. I still want people to think I have a real job. NFL like journalist. I want people to be like, oh yeah. wow, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think I just wrote sports writer or whatever. So you know, guy comes in, doesn't seem like he's a big uh, sports guy. Says, oh, you know, sports sports reporter. Who do you write for? I say the you know the Ringer. Oh, is that uh, you know online or something else? Yeah, it's uh, online. Do you have uh, you know like any kind of specialty? Yeah, you know NFL. I write about the NFL. Here's here's what he says. Huh, and you can make a living doing that, huh? That's amazing. What is that? Oh, I get that. I'm your new I get patient that all the time. From, from a, do- a doctor who just met you? Come on. I get that all the time. That surprises me zero. <laughs> I get I, that from I, like, you know, fr- like random acquaintances. Yeah. I feel like a doctor should I, be a listen, little more guarded. I've been, I've been married for two and a half years. I've dated my wife since 2016. My father-in-law still doesn't think I make any money. He, I finally got him to start listening to Ringer, like movie and TV podcasts. Okay. And I'm like, that, it's that, it's that, but it's football. And he's like, these are good. Do you do this? I'm like, yes, I do it. It's football. He's like, okay. He's kind of like, all right, maybe if I like this, then other people like what Ben does. But I, I, to me, like I've been trying to convince people that this is an occupation forever. That doesn't surprise me. Well, that's working in your favor. Then you got the new lawn equipment for free. So that's good. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Got to uh, keep expectations low, baby. So then I, so then I said, you know, then he starts talking about that and he goes, you know, are you an Eagles fan? And then we basically had to have the conversation we had on the ringers Philly special mm-hmm. earlier when I grew up an Eagles fan, not anymore. Then he just starts ripping Philadelphia. Fan. Oh, Boy, it's hard to be a sports fan in this town. They'll boo anybody. I'm like, dude, if I wanted, like, you know, Skip Bayless during my 15 minute appointment or whatever, you, <laughs> like, I would have asked for that. I don't need you giving me your take on Philadelphia sports fan. So that's number three. And then four is uh, in no turn and cough. I mean, isn't the turn and cough a regular part of the, the checkup? <laughs> Ben's nice. Ben nice. You're disappointed. <laughs> no, I mean, I just feel like that's po- supposed to be part of I mean, I'm going to be 40 next year. I feel like this is supposed to be part of the annual checkup. Is, is this no <laughs> longer a you, part of the annual checkup? I'm just wondering. Did, did you <laughs> mentally cons- consider No, I would never ask. For no, I've had this before. Excuse me. No. I came yeah. expecting <laughs> yeah. a turn and cough, and I would like one, sir. I will not feel fulfilled <laughs> with our engagement. Until I get. <laughs> I mean, I could have just run through these four things for him at the end when he asked if I had any questions. I would have said, I don't know if they're all questions, but I have four concerns. So I don't know if that's not no longer standard procedure or what. You weren't expecting that after the first three. But all right, those are the four things. I'm not going to go back to this doctor, but what is my what is the most egregious out of those four? No Wi-Fi. That's no horrible. Wi-Fi. That okay. when, 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 when the sham doctor kills you, you will not be able to inform your wife. Like that to me, that's, if I don't have Wi-Fi or a signal, I'm being killed by somebody. That's my Gen Z understanding of the world. No Wi-Fi and no credit card reader. Yeah, that should be a red flag. Yeah. All right. No credit card reader. Shield, where were I you? I had to pay. They call, when I made the appointment, she's like, yeah, it's You cool. paid for a doctor's appointment in cash? $20. Just give the copay. We have very good insurance at the uh, oh my at Spotify ring. All right. All right. My end of podcast. You've got something. For you. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Over under. Justin Jefferson receiving yards against the Philadelphia Eagles oh my in God. week two. What did he have? Did he go over 200 today? He was at like 186 nah, yeah, when like, I looked at only it. Only like 180. Don't be unreasonable. Uh, uh, over, under. Uh, over, under. I'm giving you the number. Okay. 140. 140. Understand if you say over, you're nuts because that's 140 yards. However, if you say under, you're nuts because it's Justin Jefferson and the Eagles defense. And I just watched this Eagles defense. Uh, Today, yeah, I'm trying to think of what the number is that you could have said where I would have said under. And I know that you're right. I mean, to get over 140 yards is very difficult. Like the odds would say under, the odds would probably say under is the smart move. I think if you would have gone in like the 160 range, I probably would have been like, okay, I can take the under, but I've made my feelings felt about this defense. And Justin Jefferson just takes over games. And from today, it seems like they're just going to be like, let's find ways to get Justin Jefferson the ball as much as possible. So I will go over that number for next Monday night. Eagles struggle with motion and communicating the way they did in this game and choose to play as much zone as they did in this game, as much quarters. Uh, 
Jefferson will open at like 108 is going to be my guess. And I'm going to take the over with unbelievable, with shocking swiftness. It will blow your mind how quickly I will put money <laughs> on that bet. They, the, this, 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 this upcoming Vikings game could be really bad. In ter- it could actually be good in terms of exposing the defense, but it could be really bad in terms of our experience watching it. As you asked me last week, you said you started going through the schedule. All right, if the defense plays well against this team, and I only needed to get right. to week two. Let's see. They didn't play well in week one. I should, I guess I could have just said week one. But I got to week two. Uh, I would expect them to struggle next week. But this is without having, you know, dug in on the Vikings all the way, without having watched the Eagles film. So maybe we'll feel differently later this week. But all right. I think this was a good first post-game pod for us. Again, we're going to go through it this week. We will both be watching the film. We'll look at the numbers. We'll see what the big talking points are. And then we will record another episode on Wednesday that will be in your feeds Thursday morning. Film breakdown. We'll talk about the Vikings. You get an extra day this week because they're on Monday Night Football next week. So, hey, overall, 1-0 is good. Scoring, scoring 38 points is good. And now you come back home. I'm sure many of you will be at the link enjoying the Monday night game. All right. Thank you to Ben Solak. We will go through the film this week. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Ringers Philly special. Continue to rate, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. We appreciate everyone we've heard from so far, and we'll talk to you soon.